Hello and welcome to Presenting, a podcast where we chat about various topics related to role-playing games, typically Paizo products such as Pathfinder and Starfinder, but also others. I'm John Godick, and with me today is Mike Bramnick. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, we met one time at Gen Con, the last Gen Con, yep. before the whole pandemic thing blew up. Um, I think yep. that's, unless you're at Origins as well. Nope, no. Nope. I, uh, I was supposed to go to Origins that Origins that year, but I, that fell through. Okay. So yeah, Gen Con twenty nineteen. You and I were the only two GMs running uh, the super high tier yep. for the Starfinder yep. special. Yep, yep. That's right. That's right. So anyway, so it's great connecting with you. I'm sorry it took two years, but yep, it's still good to good, see you. Yeah, good to see you. Well, you know, so Mike is a, a venture captain for Southern Indiana. He's also the Pizacon online committee chair. And he's a relatively new RPG freelance author. So he achieved the five-star GM status for Pathfinder, first edition, back in 2014, as well as a five-nova GM status for Starfinder for 2020. And I hear he's gunning for the five-glyph here pretty soon as well. Is that right? Probably not super soon. I'm closing in on my fourth. But uh... That's great. Well, I... I got to tell you, I, I've stuck with Starfinder mostly in terms of GMing, but I've been playing a lot more Pathfinder 2nd uh, Edition, and I'm, I'm hoping this summer with the conventions and stuff to start doing uh, Pathfinder GMing. I'm kind of, you know, I've got so many tables of Starfinder, I'm happy to, to branch off into something new, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I play and GM a ton of Starfinder, but I'll tell you, the, the mechanics and just the robust mechanics 2nd Edition yes. has been really growing on me. Yeah, I that's the same with me. You know, I'm I'm playing in a, an AP and I do a bunch a bunch of scenarios and I just love the system. And when and when I go back, it's like, oh, I wish I had this. I wish I had this. So, we'll see. Maybe maybe down the road, you know, it's getting to be 5 years old. Maybe they'll make some changes. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, who knows. All right. Well, so Mike, can you talk about what you do for organized play, especially this whole Pizacon thing. That sounds like it's a really big thing. And kind of what also you do there in Indiana. Uh, well, as far as Pizacon, um, for the most part, we have the same team that we had for Lionstreet's Pizacon. Uh, just with the titles have been uh, you know, adjusted to fit sort of what we do. Uh, so uh, Ivis Flanagan, who I believe you've spoken with already yep. uh, on the podcast, is the uh, the committee uh, coordinator. So basically is in charge of both halves of the show. Uh, mm -hmm. is going to be online this year, as well as in person again, at right. last uh, in Seattle. And she makes sure that both halves of the show are consistent, that the, the in-person lead David Peaver uh, and myself, mm -hmm. that we're both, uh, you know, running the, you know, running our ships correctly and that they're side by side so that one of us isn't running some procedure for, you know, contacting GMs and the other one is just doing it differently. Right, and right. making sure it's one one coherent show. Um, my side is to have, you know, in addition to the two of us, also both hiring department heads and, uh, you know, other volunteers to work for us, you know, getting GMs online, getting the mm -hmm. schedule set, making sure that, you know, our, the Discord server for the online section, the Discord server is set up correctly, that we have a schedule in place. Um, I got to experience for the first time the fun of scheduling over 800 games over the course of a weekend. <laughs> wow. Wow. Know, which, which last year Ivis and handled more of and right. Right. Ivis, Ivis is a wizard at doing stuff with Excel. Uh, and I, I thought I was good at Excel. 
I, I was not as good as I thought I was. Uh, <laughs> but it was a, that was a new doing that many games at once. That was a new experience. But it was good. Now you you've coordinated for Gen Con in the past. How's that compare doing the in online for PaizaCon and the in person for Gen Con? Well, uh, the stuff I've done for Gen Con is a bit different. Um, because of my proximity, I am, uh, I live in Bloomington, Indiana, which is only about an hour's drive, mm-hmm. road construction depending, um, <laughs> the two seasons in the Midwest, winter and road construction. Right. Uh, so drive time depending about an hour from Gen Con. Um, so several years ago, uh, we discovered that it would be cheaper to do all of the printing, Chronicle Sheets, Boons, back when we had mm-hmm. Boons for all the systems, uh, Chronicle Sheets, Boons, posters, what have you, uh, here at a local print shop that supplies to Indiana University, and then have mm-hmm. me drive it up a couple of days before the convention, then right. it would be to have Paizo print it in the, you know, in the Pacific Northwest and put it right. on a shipping pallet, or to have them come out a few days earlier and print it at a Kinko's in downtown Indianapolis to the tune of saving several thousand dollars. Right. So that's what we've been doing for the last few years is Paizo now works with this print shop and I've been the one who's been coordinating the printing. So I, that's really the only part of Gen Con I've been helping with. Mm, okay. And, and that's why you had the maps to... for the special then, right? Yeah. Because I remember you, you you printed out a bunch of maps for the special because your work with the, uh, with the print shop there? Yep. And as a result, oh. because, you know, you put in so much for print shops, volume yeah. makes them, you know, they it gets for them that the time consuming part is setting up the files and then they right. set the machines to run. So if you're putting through 50 copies of something, it doesn't cost them a whole lot more time, you know, in terms of effort. So the more volume you do, the cheaper it is per copy. We figured out a few years before I started doing Chronicle Sheets and things for Gen Con that the more GMs I could get on board to do custom maps, the cheaper it was per map. Right. So some of my local volunteers and I, we started recruiting people and then, you know, I think starting with seasons, I forget, I think it was season six in first edition PFS, we started working up custom maps, you know, cleaning them up a little bit. Cause when you blow up some of the maps, they get a little blurry. Right. Oh yeah. No, I hear and you. Then, I hear you. you know, and then saying, Hey, if GMs, you want to buy in, depending on how many GMs we get, it'll be this much, you know, and Mr. Covey, once we, especially once they started getting the Paizo order for printing, they started cutting down the map costs as a sort right. of a thank you. So it's literally a win for everybody. No, that was su- super helpful. In fact, now it gets me thinking that, you know, maybe we should have some organized play map organization where you have, hey, anybody wants to buy maps from, from here, Color Maps, just sign up here and run a big print run for all the scenarios. My understanding is that was actually looked into as a yeah. as a licensing yeah. thing, and they said no because they're oh. they, because they couldn't their quality control people couldn't look at it uh, wow. for, because they okay. would have to look at each individual map before it went before it was sent out. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, that's cause, cause that's too bad. That would, that would be really cool. Otherwise, yeah. Cause I'm because I'm, I'm I'm a terrible artist, and I would yeah, always same. prefer to print the maps out of scenarios yep. rather than and let because because some of them are really cool. And running right. in person, I would rather people see the really cool map than mm-hmm. my really bad drawing on a chessex or an, you know or a blank or a Paisa yep. flip map a blank flip map than than that. Yeah, I I even now you know I I have some home games here. I'm running uh, Devastation Art. No, actually, um, Horizons of the Vast. I'm running that. And man, that book one, I printed out like 20 maps, but I print them all out in color, 
put them all together. Mm-hmm. If I could pay somebody a reasonable amount to give me awesome colored copies and ship them, I would I would be all over that. Man. All right. Yeah, well, that too. that's too bad. Maybe maybe Starfinder and Pathfinder Infinite can offer something like that. Who knows? That'd be you know. something worth looking into. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, so you've been doing a lot with Org Play for a while. How did you get started with that in the first place? And and then rise up to Venture Captain, which is like pretty high up in the organization. Let's see, I think it's single combat with a sword and you take the head of the... Per- no, <laughs> that's, something, that's, that's something else. Sorry. Uh, I shouldn't... That's not, I'm not supposed to talk about that part. Um, well, I actually started with Organized Play. I started with Organized Play in a, a funny way, almost by accident. Um, I was... I run a multi-year campaign with friends back when I was still living in Illinois, uh, Northern Illinois University. Mm-hmm. And our campaign ended uh, after two, two and a half years. And there was about four months before a bunch of us were graduating, leaving. I was going to be set to be moving to Indiana uh, to, you know, for, to, to go for my PhD. And we realized that we had still had like four months or so, but we still wanted to play. But nobody had a campaign idea ready. Nobody had any. So I started looking around online and I find about this thing called Pathfinder Society where mm-hmm. there's these four hour adventures. And so I start looking up how it works and I say, Hey guys, what do you think about this? And everyone was excited. So we started running Pathfinder Society games out of the geology building at NIU. Wow. Um, I started asking some questions around on the forums and a, a member of the, the one of the Chicago area uh, games gets in touch with me, starts telling me how, how the venture officer system works. Uh, he comes out and drives out to us to run a game for us, which is the first time I got to play. Uh, a few, mm-hmm. apparently, I had already actually gotten, without knowing it, my first star as a GM before I got yeah. to play for the first time. Um, and I think uh, Mike Mistel is his name. I don't know if he's still playing or not because I haven't talked to him in a couple of years yeah. with the pandemic and everything. Right, right. Um, and just, you know, started running games like that when I moved to Indiana, so I looked up to see if there was anyone playing society play, found out there was, you know, the local, one of the local game stores was running it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a whirlwind of a move. I defended my thesis on a, on, on a, on a Thursday, packed up my apartment on a Friday, moved yeah. on a Saturday. Uh, and the following Monday went to my first PFS game in, in Bloomington, found out that they had no one organizing their games. It was just the, the store owner would just pick a scenario at random and then say, Hey, mm-hmm. we're going to run this a couple tables. Yeah. So after playing with them for, for a month or two, talked to the store owner, talked with some of the other GMs. Cause I'd already been, I mean, I've been GMing forever. Right. Talked with the, you know, so I started GMing as soon as I moved as well. Talked to the other GMs, talked with the store owner, said, did anyone have an interest in becoming a venture officer? No one really did. They said they would be cool if, if someone did though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got in touch with then at the time there was only one in venture captain for Indiana. Uh, and over the course of that was 2012. And then at the end of 2012, she made me a venture lieutenant, ran our first convention early 2013. Uh, you know, 2013 was a little tumultuous in terms of organized play stuff. We Indiana went through Indiana went through a couple of venture captains and then uh, early 2014, the retiring venture captain, Chris Bonnet recommended me to become a venture captain for the Southern or for Bloomington. Uh, I was made venture captain. And then eventually as more areas joined organized play, I was made venture captain for just the Southern part of the state. And, mm-hmm. you know, 
Oh. Now I've got a couple of venture lieutenants who report to me, and including yeah. one one more Jim Crace who's going to be uh, joining the VL ranks in a, nice. in a in any anywhere in a couple of anywhere between a couple of hours and a couple of days from now, and <laughs> and hopefully our numbers will continue to grow as the yeah. as hopefully knock on wood the, the we will see you know only a decline in the pandemic and a return to in person oh, gaming. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. So. You get a PhD in geology, is that right? I was trying for one, but uh, oh, okay. I'm sorry, the, you were working no, on one. Yep as as the as the movie The Right Stuff, yeah. Uh, uh, so so wonderfully put it, no bucks, no Buck Rogers. So yeah. uh, the the funding with with no, with no funding, uh, right, right. Uh, yeah, I am not independently wealthy, so I could not afford. Once my funding dried up, I could not continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. But you have a master's. You did a master's thesis then in geology, right? With the coursework, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When, yeah I, when I was in my PhD program, I actually was going to quit. My father was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and I was going to go home. And they were going to offer me a, a master's if if I finished. And he ended up telling me I got to stay, so I, I stayed. Uh, I was going to say, I was like, wow, I, I keep meeting more people with PhDs because I thought you had one. But that said, that graduate work in geology has that helped you at all? in your game running or now that you're a freelancer in your game design work? Uh, definitely both. Uh, yeah. uh, decidedly both. Because especially when you're running game for a bunch of fellow uh, fellow geologists, the, the, right. the, the jokes about, well, what kind of, you, know, it's like you enter a cave, <laughs> especially late at night. It's like, okay, yeah, you enter yeah. a cave. It's like, oh, well, what kind of cave is it? Is it, yeah. you know, is, is it does it have a karst structure or is it a, and then we start getting into <laughs> these hilarious late night debates about, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it, it can it can get pretty. Geologists are known for 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 two things in general outside of geology, which is which is uh, drinking and really bad puns, and, and and rock jokes. And I don't drink, so I have to make up for it with you know a, a slippery slope of rock puns and other and other jokes. Yeah, uh, no, I I think that's a requirement for GMs is you have to be good with jokes and puns, so. Generally, yeah. Well, uh, no, but it's 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 been a great boon for 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 running games and also especially for for writing, because uh, right. being able to write about you know being able to include things that you know about ecology or just the environment in general, uh, science in general, especially because uh, wanting to contribute to Starfinder, I've been wanting to contribute to Starfinder pretty much since I learned Starfinder existed, right. um, and the fact that I finally got the chance to do so was just it was an just writing the starfinder bounty that i did that's the day that we're recording this is actually going to be coming out uh, my today starfinder yep today right today yeah yeah yep. i i got the i got the email right saying hey these are the things that are coming out so i'm, I'm pretty excited because i'm actually scheduled to play it this weekend with you excellent yeah so you'll, so you'll get the full experience including soundtrack excellent oh you're gonna do a soundtrack too Oh man! So, it's something I feel bad. Because nope. <laughs> yeah. I don't do a soundtrack for mine. So. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's not a requirement. This is yeah, for yeah, for yeah. me. You know, I, I try to do soundtracks with all my games, yeah. it's, it, which is. It admittedly, it's 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 as much for me as it is for the players, just because yeah. I, you know, I I do everything better with music. So. Yeah. Well, that's that's cool. So, can you tell me how did you get the opportunity to write? Both a Pathfinder bounty and now the Starfinder bounty. How that process come about? 
better lucky than good. No, no, um, <laughs> no, as I said, I've, I've been wanting to, I mean, uh, pretty much since my, my, my academic career ended, I, uh, within a few months of that, I actually applied to work at Paizo once, um, but didn't get it, but I've applied for various openings. The RPG industry is something I've been trying to kind of get my foot in the door, but it's a very competitive industry. Right. Um, right. So, you know, some, some seven years after my first attempt, uh, I apparently knocked on the right door, right place, right time, uh, right writing sample. Uh, Mike Kimmel, who's now the Pathfinder Society developer, yeah. put out a, an open call over Twitter for a potential Oh, writers, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um, which I answered, and I was asked for a writing sample. I sent in a writing sample, and... Uh, and uh, a couple of friends of mine who are who are already freelancers. I don't know if they talked up the fact that I sent in something or not, but uh, a couple months after that, uh, Thurston Hillman, who's the uh, developer for for digital one shots and and uh, and Pathfinder Bounties uh, and interactives, at the time was doing that and other things dropped me a line and said, Hey, I hear a rumor that you are interested in doing <laughs> some writing Yeah, and offered me a chance to do a Pathfinder bounty. Um, a couple months after that, Jessica Catalan, Starfinder developer, mm-hmm. you know, got in touch with me and said, Hey, I understand that you are interested in doing more work. I offered me a Starfinder bounty. And so I don't know, right place, right time. <laughs> nice. Well, I think it, it speaks to some with your experience with organized play as well. I mean, my take on these bounties is they're, they're actually the org play agnostic, right? They don't mention the Starfinder or Pathfinder society, Mm -hmm. but they are designed to get new players interested in the game and who better to know what a new player needs than somebody who's run 150, 200 tables of, of each of the systems. Oh, and, it's something I think you and I uh, both together uh, separately on Discord noticed that the first two bounties were yes. two of the first uh, five uh, five Nova GMs. So um, no, I, no, I agree. It's you know they're they are organized play agnostic, uh, good for new players, good to teach the system to new players, but also good for veteran players who can just want right. to you know just want to kick back for an hour or so and just you know play something and. And the thing with mine, uh, which I'm which I'm very glad about, because this is an aspect of the system that I've always enjoyed, and I know not mm-hmm. everyone likes it as much as I do. Uh, that, that my bounty is starship focused, right? Uh, oh, and cool! After I'm after the yeah, after the introduction, the entire adventure takes place yeah. on board a starship. So nice. You know, have you run it yet for anybody? Not in its published form, because as I said, it okay. just releases today. Right. Uh, right. Right. And, Ran it through yeah, a, a playtest. Actually, of the playtests, I only ran one of them myself. So I've only really run it once myself. Yeah, I was fortunate. So mine came out last month, right? And so I ran it. And then somebody in another game I was playing that weekend had played in it. And so I was able to get feed, you know, two sets of feedback from it. Mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed is that when I ran it, it ran long. It ran about an hour and a half. And then the other person I talked to who had played it with somebody else said they went two hours because they were just having so much fun doing role-playing and stuff with it. So I'm thinking <laughs> I, now I'm worried because this weekend Jocelyn only gave us one hour slots for our bounties. <laughs> so it's like, Oh man, 
and she was in mine when she said, yeah, when you run this for, 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 um, Emerald Con, you're going to have to tighten that up quite a bit. (laughs) said, okay. All right. But yeah. So, so you've had this kind of a unique opportunity to write for both systems, bounties for both. Yeah. How was that experience? You know, how challenging was that or how easy was that or how fun was that? You know, because I haven't written any adventures for, for Pathfinder. I have no idea how that, how the two would compare. I found the process very, it was, it was very similar for both. Um, just the nature of bounties was, you know, the, the expectations of what you're supposed to do as an author, the parameters you're given in terms of the bounty. Um, it was, it was fairly similar for both. Um, the Starfinder one had a little bit just by the nature of the adventure, the Starfinder one had right. a little bit, had a little bit more freedom in crafting the encounter or the, the encounters, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I take that back. They were both, the Pathfinder one had a little bit more freedom in, in the, because your, your typical bounty for Starfinder, or for, sorry, excuse me, for Pathfinder has always been, uh, you know, introduction setting, and then either, either a skill challenge or you run through, you know, some social dynamic. Right. And then eventually there is some sort of conflict that the PCs must resolve. Right. Uh, the format stays my, you know, having, I actually haven't had a chance to play. I've wanted to, but I haven't had a chance to play through yours yet. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, there aren't, I'm, I'm one of the few Starfinder GMs in the state of Indiana, and therefore I'm GMing a lot more than I have a chance to play. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. You're not but, doing uh, a good job training people. I've trained up a whole bunch of GMs since I've been here. So now I actually have to fight for spots to GM Starfinder which is one reason why I'm going over to Pathfinder because there's a shortage of a Pathfinder second edition GMs now. Cause I got so many people doing Starfinder. Yeah. We, we were doing good at that before the pandemic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. D- despite Starfinder being the sci-fi game, a lot of yeah. our local uh, Starfinder GMs didn't want to make the jump to GMing online. So oh, yeah, that's that tough. Happens. Yeah. That, that's tough. That happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, the, the, yeah, crafting both bounties. The structure was the same. The process was was very similar. Right. Uh, cool. You know. So coming up on Memorial Day weekend, we have PaizaCon. Yes. And I know March 6th, they had GM signups opened up. I signed up for some games. Mm-hmm. And those go until April 9th, right? That's when. Yes. Okay. And do you still need GMs for that? Uh, we do. The... We need. I don't recall. We. I think we might still have some spots for GMs for the in-person show, mm-hmm. um, although we're still waiting to hear back from Paizo on what the deal is with tickets for the for the show in terms of right, the, right. people who want to attend who aren't GMing at least four mm-hmm. games. For the online show, uh, we have. We were being a little ambitious with the schedule, so we decided to right. offer as many, if not more, online tables than we did last year, even mm-hmm. though we knew that. You know, some people are two years into the pandemic. Some people are getting burned out with online games. We decided to offer as many games as possible. Mm-hmm. Last time I looked, we had filled about 80% of our second edition games. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about 60% of our first edition and Starfinder games. Mm-hmm. So we, we still have a good hundred games or so that don't have GMs. Uh, all told. So if, if people are interested, they can still go to the Organized Play Foundation site 
click on the form for GMing for for PaisaCon and you're still accepting folks in? Absolutely. Uh, right. The cool. the game selection is not obviously you know a couple of hundred GMs have already gone through the schedule and signed right. up for things. Oh yeah. So the the game selection is not as varied as it as it is yeah. uh, as it was. That said, uh, for people who want to volunteer to run, you know, four, five, six games over the course of the weekend, you know, we're we're more than willing to. If someone's like, "Man, I really wanted to run, you know, these ones, but I'm not comfortable running these ones." You know, for, for people who want to volunteer that many hours, we might be willing to to do some to, to do a little bit of tweaking oh, to the schedule. Cool. So so long as we get because Paizo sends us a list and says, Hey, we really want you to focus on these particular right. adventures right. because they might here's a little bit of you know, for, for anyone who might be listening to this, some of the sometimes we uh, we might be offering some things from the back catalog because they might be right. important for upcoming seasons. Right. Uh, maybe, you know. Or Paizo might have just said, hey, we would like you to offer these for reasons we're not allowed to tell you. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we're just offering them because they've happened to fit the level range that we need to fill. You never know. Yeah, it's interesting. When I was going, I, I went through it pretty early Saturday after it opened. And I was looking at specific games for specific time slots. And somebody had already beat me to those. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, uh, I was looking to do the, the uh, fifth season uh, intros. In mm-hmm. certain time slots, and for the online, somebody had already nabbed all the ones I wanted. So I said, yeah. "Okay, well that's fine. I'm, I'm just going to go backfill and and try to GM stuff I haven't had the chance to GM yet." So I went and did older things because all the new stuff, my local lodge will have will be high demand to GM. But like the older things, it's like everybody's already done them a couple times, so there's there's no need. So that's that's a lot what I do with the with the the cons is I either run brand new stuff that is isn't going to be out for a while or I rent old stuff to fill in, fill in gaps and things. So were you able to get a seat for the Starfinder special though? I, well, I didn't sign up to GM it. And no. let me tell you why. Okay. I have done before they changed the special requirements. I had already run over a dozen Starfinder specials. In addition to all the other things that they did, you know, to, to get your, your five Novas, I probably had double after they added all that extra stuff. And so I've never played a special when it first came out. Nice. So I want to play a special when it first comes out, having not jammed it, having not looked through the book and poured through all the different levels and know everything that's going to happen. So I intentionally, because there's always a lot of people that want to run it, like, like you're alluding to. And so I figure in the fact it only goes up to eighth level, the high level stuff I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with, and I'm I'm fine running super high level stuff. But since it's all low level stuff, I'm I figured there's lots of people that can do that. Fair enough. I'm glad you're going to get a to to play it first. That's yes, yes. It's a it's a luxury I don't get a lot either myself. So. I well, and that's that's kind of what I'm trying to change up now is when something new comes out, I try to play it and then GM it. You know, it's because uh, I can be pickier because I have lots of other people that want to GM already. And uh, we also, we have, you know, we have a lot of Pathfinder second edition players here in the Seattle area, but we have a lot of Starfinder players as well. It's probably a, a pretty balanced base. So mm-hmm. every weekend, um, well, yeah, every weekend. So across Saturday, Sunday, Monday, there's usually a couple games of each across each day. So we have a lot of, a lot of tables, a lot of players going. So it's, 
we're pretty fortunate. Of course, we're really close to Paizo, so maybe that helps. I don't know. Uh, by MI. So, so I do have another question, though, uh, and this is mm-hmm. kind of a mechanical question about uh, GMing and reporting. So uh, we're using RPG Chronicles for the online, I'm guessing, right? Uh, GMs can do that if they would like, yes. Okay, if they like. Okay, they don't. Okay, I thought so. Some cons, it's actually kind of built in the reporting and the you know the whole system. They do that, but you guys aren't doing that. It's like you, we I have believe, to sell self-report to you and submit separate. And I believe we're going to be using uh, there's a, there's one that one of um, the venture officer out of Boston, uh, Eric created right. called RPG Con Assist. Oh, um, okay, makes, right, right. Which makes which makes reporting real easy. RPG Chronicles. Right. Uh, is right. a, is a tool that people can use to make uh, doing chronicle sheets easier for them. Right. Um, I believe that developer is also working on a reporting tool. Right. Right. Um, yeah, he's got it. I, and I guess I I I was thinking Conic Con Assist actually, because okay. RPG Chronicles you can cut and paste the block into Con Assist, push go, and it does everything. Mm-hmm. And so you guys are going to do that for the online, right? Yes. Um, right. We may we may try and do something. So that the on so that the the uh, the HQ people in person might be doing uploading their information as well. That way, we have a digital record of everything. Okay. So that we don't run into a situation. Some years ago, Gen Con had a had a thing where it took almost a year to get all the reporting done. Our goal is to make sure that if there's yeah. any sort of a hiccup with the in person stuff, we at least have all the records digitally. Therefore, right. volunteers can we can just set a volunteer right. loose and say, "Hey, you're free this weekend. Could you help us with the reporting?" And then just knock it out over the course of a weekend. Right. Well, I guess what I was wondering, though, is for the in-person, are they going to do in-person chronicles or can they do digital? Does it all have to be handed out at the table? That is something we I don't think we've discussed yet. Um, I think the assumption is that if you're running in person, you're going to get a physical chronicle sheet. Um, yeah. Whether organized Just, play as a whole moves purely digital, that's yeah. maybe that's I think that might be above my pay grade still. Yeah, as a GM, I would love to be able to have people who because they're signing they're signing up via Warhorn, right? Still for tables mm-hmm. in person. Yeah, have a link to my RPG Chronicle. They because we do that for in person now, right? In our local lodge, and then they fill it all out. When I'm done with the game, I can go on my phone, push a button, it gets all sent to them. If they need a hard copy, they print it. I don't have to print a bunch of things, take it to a con and do all that kind of stuff. So I was just hoping maybe that that was coming down the road. That's all. Okay. You yeah. know, nothing you know. Okay. Yeah, that's that's that. Those are discussions that I am yeah. not, if, if they are being discussed for, you know, for, for yeah. convention wide or OPF wide stuff, that is stuff that is, I am not privy yeah. to. All right. Well, I, I will try to convince Alex of why that's a good, good reason. So a <laughs> good thing to do. Fair enough. All right. So what advice do you have for people interested in getting into org play specifically online? Cause there's some challenge for that, but also um, doing it in person. Well, as far as the online thing, the, the most important thing I can say is don't let the tech scare you. Um, the, the the most the the first observation is I've also been asked to do as a venture captain we do uh, evaluate for people going for their fifth Nova's fifth glyphs uh, to mm-hmm. do evaluation games so we're the ones who you know kind of be like yep you meet this qualification this qualification we go through like a checklist of things but the most important piece of feedback I always give GMs is did the players have fun 
that's not right. one of the that's not one of the criteria on the list. But for me, it's the most important thing. Um, you can't teach how to be a fun GM if, but if you're, but if you, you know, if you have fun at the table and the people around you are having fun, that's the essence of, of, of a good game right there. Right. So if you're interested in GMing and you think you'd be, be good at it, you're interested in being on the other side of the GM screen and telling the collaborative story with the players as you know, and on, on that side, you know, reach out to your local GMs, reach out to your local venture officers about getting you going. Don't let the tech scare you. I've gotten the opportunity to play games with some amazing GMs who've run a game off of a single Google slide. They put a map or two on a Google slide and everyone rolled dice. You know, one person was rolling dice on roll 20. One person was rolling dice on a discord channel. One person was rolling dice sitting next to them on a, on a dinner tray. And it was one of the best games I ever played in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I played another another game, uh, a system that that uh, apparently is popular in Australia called Astral, where there mm-hmm. were various, you know, the players, the, the character sheets for the players was very simple, but the GM had bells and whistles that I'd never seen before. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and the, the fact that the interface was, was, you know, was vastly different and had all these options, you know, didn't change the content of the game for me. Right. Um, so you know, if you, if you want to GM, you want to have fun, just GM and have fun. And you don't even, and you don't even, it, it helps to know the rules. Well, you don't have to, you, you will almost always have someone at the table who knows yeah. the rule. Yeah. Um, and you're allowed to expect the players, you know, if they're brand new, that's different, but you're always, you're allowed to expect the players to know how their own, how the rules for their own characters work. Right. Right. You know, focus on having fun, focus on telling a fun story. That's really the core of it. Yeah, I will say as much as I've played and GM'd, there are a lot of rules I don't know 100% that I still need to look up just to be sure. And I don't feel bad about that because there's a lot to know and yeah. it keeps changing, you know, so. Yeah, and especially now for people who GM multiple systems, first edition, yeah. second edition, Starfinder, there will be people, myself included, who regularly remember a rule and then three seconds later go, wait, no wrong addition. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's this, not that. Right. Right. No, That'll, sure. that will, yeah, that's not even, it can happen. It will happen. So, you know, you mentioned astral and, and I've seen that I haven't played. It looks pretty cool. Um, are you still playing primarily roll 20? Cause I know I've gotten tables from you that were roll 20 or yeah. have you ventured into foundry with other people? I have not had a chance to try foundry yet. And yeah, Especially as my local area is starting, we, we are actually dipping our toe back into in-person gaming starting yeah. next week. Uh, so we're doing a mix of online and in-person. Mm-hmm. At some point, I decided, I'm like, you know what? I've spent two years mastering the ins and outs of Roll20, dynamic lighting, yeah. uh, you know, light light cone shading, you know, some uh, uh, animated effects, weaving music and sound effects into my games. It's like I spent two years mastering the system. We're about to go back in person. We hope it's we're not going to be forced back into any more shutdowns. I don't feel like teaching myself another online system at this point. If I, if I need to, then I will. But for the moment, I, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good with this one. I'm going to stick with this one for now. No, I hear you. I, I've done most of my online has been with Roll20, and I feel very comfortable with it. Uh, 
a lot of folks, I, I, on Black Friday last year, I got a license for Foundry. So I've been running some Foundry. I love how the system works, but I always forget how to build characters and do certain things in it. So it's mm-hmm. like I, with Roll20, it's, it's just, it's such a simple platform that's pretty easy to remember the work you have to do. For Foundry, it's such a complex platform that simplifies the running that it makes it harder for me to remember how to do stuff. So, Fair enough. I know. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm hoping to get more into it. You know, it's, again, we have local folks that are doing Alex Reich's run in it. So I end up playing a lot in Foundry. So kind of get used to that. So what's next for Mike? Uh, what kind of cool stuff you're working on, uh, you know, writing wise or org play wise or whatever that you can actually talk about? Well, I mean, org play wise, uh, you know, as you mentioned, we have PaizoCon coming up, uh, you know, end of May and Gen Con, which, yeah. you know, health, health and safety for everyone in the continental right. United States and rest of the world, you know, will hopefully continue to to improve uh, as long as that continues to hold. I will actually be attending Gen Con in person yeah. this year, uh, uh, along with several of my local GMs, uh, yeah. get, get a, you know carpooling up and uh, yeah. trying to avoid the, the highway robbery <laughs> parking prices. To, yeah. Oh yeah. Or even yeah. finding the spots too, and then paying a lot for them. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. The, the, the local businesses and the, the, the businesses in Indianapolis know when it's convention season, yeah. but anyways, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, PaisaCon and then Gen Con, uh, writing wise, um, I believe I'm I'm permitted to say that I am working on some things. Uh, some some opportunities have arisen that I'm excited about uh, for for things that are as of yet unannounced. Nice, nice. Uh, for multiple systems or one system? <laughs> um, actually, because not all apparently not all of it is Paizo, so I can say yes, multiple systems because there's, okay, there's, there there's potential. There's potential that I may be doing something for a company other than Paizo now. So good, uh, good. So yeah, you, so yes, multiple systems. Yeah, are you looking forward to that? Work doing more freelance work. Uh, I am. It's 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 something I've been wanting to get yeah. into since 2015. Um, yeah, wow. And it's just it's I've gotten I've been very fortunate. Um, you know that. You know, really, it was just, uh, you know, when the open, when, when, when Mike Kimmel put out that open call and, you know, and some of my friends, uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, I mentioned Ivis Flanagan earlier, yeah. kind of, you know, kind of, kind of kicked me in the butt and said, okay, seriously, stop, stop debating about it and just send, yeah. you know, send the email. Yeah. Uh, I sent the email and things have been, you know, kicking off since then. Awesome. And speaking, and spe- speaking of Ivis and speaking of PaizoCon, um, I believe I am allowed to say that. Uh, so, the Wayfinder magazine has a has has an adventure, uh, a sidetrack adventure they call it, uh, in each in each issue. Uh, mm-hmm. Ivis and I uh, got selected to write that adventure for this year's Wayfinder, and that will be releasing at uh, at PaizoCon as well. Yeah. And we're waiting to hear back from the people at Paizo, even though Ivis and I are, you know, coincidentally helping run the convention. We're waiting to hear back from the people at Paizo to get their permission to run our event, our own adventure at PaizoCon. If we do right. get that permission, Ivis will be running one table of it in person in Seattle, and I'll be running one table of it uh, online during the course of the weekend. Nice. Yeah, I've heard there's been a delay on that. I know a couple other people have been waiting 
to hear back and I, I don't know what the news is on it so yeah I don't either I, I know that they are they are swamped with a lot of stuff right now so I'm I'm willing yeah. to give them uh, the, the benefit of the doubt <laughs> on that though that they'll, they'll get back to us when they can well, Mike, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been great catching up with you. And I I don't know that I'll make it to Gen Con this year. I have uh, my own medical issues that I, I'm unable to to be around crowded places yet. My transplant team hasn't allowed it. So as soon as no. I can, though, I want to get back to Gen Con. No, as 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 my old rabbi always used to say, it's you know, your health is what's most important. Yeah. So you know, as, as long as you, you stay healthy, that's the most important thing. It's good to see thanks. you, though. Good to see you. All right. Thanks again. Thank you, John.